We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service, like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dork. You're listening to the Uncontested Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, a blue wire, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. And today, we have a very, I guess this evening, we have a very, very special podcast. It is the Taylor and Nick Takeover. Sound the air horns. Sound the alarms. It's going to be a fun one. I don't know if, I don't know the last time that you and I did a little you know, two person pod together. That's right. This is the uh, the OG Owasso Ram pod right here. Let's go, uh, Nick. Let's just give the people what they want right off the bat. You know, obviously it's trade season. Um, the biggest trade season of all, oil and gas trade season. It's oil and gas merger season. Jeez. So uh, let's talk about Conoco Phillips and a Concho. Uh, you know, Parsley Energy and Pioneer. Um, you're, you're, you're forgetting. Nice. You're forgetting the most important one, Taylor. <laughs> Well, I'm holding out on that one <laughs> for now. I want people. I mean, people can probably go to my LinkedIn and find out. But uh, you know, you know, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm trying to trying to keep a job, um, definitely, primary, and and get an offer to the 
new job. We're calling it, it's kind of funny, internally we're calling it NewCo, N-A-W-Co, yep. <laughs> instead of like the actual name of the company. It's really Definitely. funny. Definitely, I love Anyways, it. Anyways, okay, we aren't actually going to bore our listeners with oil and gas talk. So for those of you that are still listening, thank you. Um, Jacob is currently in the process of moving into a new home with his fiance, so we're super excited for him. Um, but Nick, Jake and I were talking a little earlier today. And he's talking about, you know, tomorrow they're cutting the internet before they move to the new house on Friday. And, you know, they're going to be busy packing, starting some of the moving. Um, and I also have a super busy day at work tomorrow. Like we have a board meeting in the morning and then I have like a, we're trying to close a transaction. So I'm going to be super busy. So inevitably, uh, you heard it here for, first, sources are telling the uncontested that the, uh, the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder will be announced tomorrow or Friday. That's always how it works. When it's none like, of us have access to anything. Exactly. You're gonna like you're <laughs> gonna be busy for four hours and come back and see just a hundred notifications on your phone. You're gonna be way behind. You're gonna have to go research <laughs> who the heck this guy is because you've never heard of him. None of us are gonna be able to emergency podcast. We aren't even gonna be able to talk about it until like Sunday's pod. It's just yep. it's gonna be great. Gonna be great. Um, now, you know what what is interesting, Nick, and this is kind of a good segue here. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder are officially the last team standing without a head coach. Um, they were one of the latter ones, I guess, to to not fire, but part ways in the case of OKC with Billy Donovan with their head coach. Now they are, went, they are the last to hire somebody. And there's been really no rumors outside of just kind of some, I think, some speculation from guys like Shams and, and others. Um, so they're, speaking of all of that, that, needless to say, this past week particularly, it seems like the NBA offseason is kind of starting to heat up. We're getting a lot more news. And I think the biggest of that came today when we found out that uh, Daryl Morey, old friend of the OKC Thunder, uh, done a lot of transactions with him in the past. He is going to be the president of basketball operations with the Philadelphia 76ers on a five-year deal. And Nick, I don't know about you, but that seems like a pretty quick one year away from the league spending time with family. I think yeah, that was like a week and a half. That's a, it's a little weird. I mean, it almost makes you think like, Maybe Maury was being serious when he was saying that he really wanted to spend time away and then he got an offer that he couldn't refuse, or he realized Houston's a dumpster fire and had to say what he had to say to get out of there. Well, and that see, that's why I, I, I wondered that also. Um, maybe he just you know couldn't stay away from it like he thought he could, or it's just too great of an offer to pass up. And I'm sure all those did play into it. I don't think it's, it's cut and dry as these things never are, you know, very rarely are. However, Shams actually came out today and said that negotiations started hours after it was officially announced that Maury had parted ways with Houston. So you have to think, and, and then you just put it all together, right? He almost went to Philly a couple of years ago when he ended up signing a contract extension with the Rockets and almost used that kind of as leverage, I think. And then there was even rumors that, you know, it's particularly with D'Antoni, I think, at the beginning of this past season. But it even seemed like Maury maybe had one foot out the door as well. Um, for example, this is well documented. This is not coming from, you know, it's just, just what we've heard. It seems like the Russell Westbrook trade was not his idea. <laughs> kind of had his hand tied, his hand, uh, hands tied there. So um, needless to say, it's not super surprising that that's the team he, he'd pick, and especially being from the East Coast. But it is surprising how quickly it happened. Yeah, and it's not surprising that he wasn't part of the Russell Westbrook trade because he only likes guys that can shoot threes. Yeah. That makes me really, really curious about our buddy Ben Simmons. So that's my next question for you. What do you think he does with this roster, Nick? And I, I saw somebody bring up a good point today, and I'm sorry I'm not giving them proper credit here. I'm, you, many of you probably saw it. But somebody verified on Twitter, um, an NBA NBA Twitter guy, uh, tweeted out that, you know, it, looking back on it, was it really Maury Ball that he was married to? Or was he just 
did did he just think that that was the best way to capitalize around his superstar being James Harden, which I think is fair? Um, what's to say that he won't do the same, just capitalize in, in the appropriate way around his two stars and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, um, rather than you know just trading everybody taller than six foot four? <laughs> you know maybe he has a different approach and we'll start calling something different, some other form of basketball Mori ball here soon. Yeah, as he tries to build around these two stars. In all seriousness, I think it's I think it's less about Mori being married to the three ball and more about him being a crazy super fan of analytics and I think that you're spot on like maybe it wasn't in Houston maybe it wasn't always supposed to be that the three ball is what he wanted to implement there maybe it was just that when he looked at the numbers with James Harden at the helm that's the, the way they played the best so I'm wondering if he's already crunching numbers on the Sixers looking at advanced stats and uh-huh. looking at Joel and Ben and okay based on these numbers and the guys they play well with on the floor and and then what the numbers look like when they're off the floor you're spot on maybe maybe it's the opposite maybe it's this gigantic style of basketball. And I think they tried that last year with, you know, Embiid and Horford and, and Simmons, and like all these Tobias Harris, like they had four starters over like six, nine. So it didn't work for him last year, but maybe Maury has some creative ideas to, to retool the roster, build around Simmons and Embiid with long lanky guys and, and get the job done in a different way. Well, Nick, one thing that you mentioned there is that Maury is a numbers guy, sometimes to a fault, as we've seen in the past, but overall, it's what's made him one of the best GMs in the entire league and why he was highly sought after after the Houston job. Shoot, Nick, if he would have sit out a, a full year and then he came back, you know, this next summer or whenever the next offseason will be, we'll see, and says, hey, I, I'm ready to get back in the league, I bet there's... At least in the teens, there are teams probably in the teens calling to to at least gauge interest. Um, so he does use he does use um, analytics often in those numbers. It'll be interesting to see when he looks at the numbers, like you said, crunching numbers on this team. What he decides to do with Ben Simmons and, and Embiid um, does he decide to surround them with shooters? He's very good at at finding shooters, right? Um, surrounding them with shooters really could expand that offense and get them more space. Or like you said, maybe he decides, you know what? I kind of like the idea of, of, of going a big, going long and athletic uh, with guys like Josh Richardson and and then surround, you know, maybe even finding like other like Robert Covington types. So all that to say, he has a lot of options. But one thing I found interesting is Woj in his report today mentioned that he could be hired, or they want to get him hired as soon as possible, so that way he could start work as soon as this weekend. That leads me to believe that's like you said, not necessarily getting in the office and crunching numbers at that point. And that's like we want you working trades as soon as possible because the league's about there. You know, we're about to kick off the off season. Yeah, or and the, whatever. Well, the, uh, yeah, whatever, you, whatever you want to call it, because everything's going to blend into one at this point. Right, right. But no, it was interesting, Keith Smith mentioned uh kind of the the free agent market and he's heard murmurs per his tweet that there's some guys out there that already have deals kind of agreed upon it exactly it doesn't shock me because last year when it came to free agency it was like the minute that the transaction window opened it was like 19 straight guys just were were woge bombed that they had signed with this team and it's like come on like that's got to be tampering. Like they're not going right. to actually get anybody in trouble. But if there's a and guy a signing, <laughs> right, right. If there's a guy signing thirty seconds after the transaction window opens, technically you're not supposed to even negotiate till that opens. Like that should be a red flag. So with everything going on, I think the league will probably be kind of hands off on this just because they know what's going to be going on and how quick it's going to be. Like just a, a timeline for our listeners here. 
it's going to be, you know, with, with the December 22nd start date they're pushing for, it's going to be NBA draft on the 18th, free agency starts on the 20th, and training camp starts on the 1st. So first, if you yeah. really want to train and work out with your team, you've got like 10 days, 11 days to sign with the team and then pass COVID protocol and all that jazz to even be there for training camp. So like this is going to be a time where, you know, whenever whenever the draft comes around, like teams are probably going to be making picks and making trades on draft night fully knowing they already have guys committed to in free agency exactly exactly and uh, to your and we'll, we'll jump into those dates here in a little bit and kind of just get initial thoughts and reactions to that but one thing that you mentioned is you know free agents already lined up well i guarantee there's trades lined up also would not be shocked and we've said this before you know pressy's been at, sitting at home for what you know he, he was sitting at home with the rest of the league for three or four months yep and then you know the thunder are out of the playoffs um after the first round he's been sitting around for a while and so uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised a if he already has some options lined up and b if him and maury haven't already been talking about cp3 to the sixers which is something i want to get into next just on this topic nick philly already was a rumor team for chris right that we've talked about here in, uh, during the off season you have the doc rivers connection apparently doc and cp3 are on good terms again um they played well together while they did you know before it kind of all fizzled out but that had some other outside factors like teammates etc yeah the maury connection now you know I, I think maury was a very big cp3 fan like we said it probably wasn't his call to trade for russell westbrook and then maury impressed they've done plenty of deals before so what's your thoughts on a cp3 to philly is that more likely now um before I answer that, I will say Sam Presti definitely has spent some time looking at trades because he's on Twitter looking at all of you geniuses and your trade machine ideas yeah, that's out right. there. Um, no, no, I, I do think um, – I don't know how much it moves the needle as far as it's more likely or less likely. I think that the numbers work, the, the motivation for the Sixers to get off of some of these bad contracts, the um, – the the kind of the the backs against the wall type situation they're in with you know Joel and Ben are kind of entering their prime and and are going to get unhappy at some point if this team doesn't pan out kind of like we talked about Devin Booker before the Suns looked good in the bubble like it's kind of winner now for the Sixers so um, I, I think the stars do align I will say the connections with Doc and Daryl Morey. Like, I think they help. I think those are yep. guys that when you're in meetings with the front office, like, they can vouch for a guy like CP3. But at the end of the day, Taylor, we both know this. Nobody needs to vouch for Chris being on your team. I think everybody saw what he did in Oklahoma City. Everybody's seen what kind of leader he's been off and on the court over the past, you know, decade, decade and a half. So I, I think he's a guy that's proven himself to the point where these these guys in the front office and on the coaching staff don't move the needle a ton. Well, hey, you know uh not only did Maury maybe not want to trade for Russ, but he got absolutely fleeced in the process of doing so. So maybe he's interested in recouping some of those some of those uh, picks and pick swaps. You know, maybe he'll throw in a one Ben Simmons and we'll throw in a Chris Paul and a pick swap or two. That's an interesting wrinkle too, <laughs> is the fact that, not necessarily revenge, I wouldn't call it that, but with all of the picks that Oklahoma City has from Houston and all the picks that Oklahoma City has from the Clippers... That's kind of intriguing for Doc and Daryl Morey to think like, yeah, let's make a trade and then I can I can get back some of these picks that I gave away in a, in a, in a prior life. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's interesting to think about. Look, I don't think they're trading for Ben Simmons. That was a joke. But with 
all that being said, you know, that, that Maury Presti connection is honestly kind of something I'm thinking more of even than like the Doc Rivers and CP3 connection and, you know, all of that. Uh, but you know what? Speaking of the Houston Rockets, Nick, you know, we mentioned this at the top of the podcast, the uh, OKC Thunder, the only team left without a head coach because the Rockets uh, picked up Steven Silas. They hired Steven as their, their head coach. It was announced today, actually kind of shortly after, maybe an hour or so after the Daryl Morey news, which is kind of funny because of the Houston connections there. Um, he's a son of former head coach Paul Silas. He's been an assistant coach and in a co- coaching capacity under guys like Steve Clifford, uh, Rick Carlisle. Obviously, he, he he was hired from Dallas. Uh, he was assistant coach for Rick. And I think there's a lot of people thinking this is long overdue. Um, he's worked with like he's known for working with really good offensive guards like Luca, uh, Steph Curry, Kemba. You know, really helping them in their development. I think he has good relationships with all of them still. So it's going to be really interesting to see him work with Russ and Harden. Um, I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts. I mean, obviously we we can't pretend to know that we know everything about you know Stephen Silas or you know a random assistant coach elsewhere in the NBA. But I think there is a this might be a, a glimpse of positivity for an otherwise pretty dreary offseason for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, and and you know any guy that's under Rick Carlisle is going to be a solid coach. Like Rick, as mediocre as the Mavs have been. You know, since their championship in 11, they haven't won a playoff series since. Um, All that aside, like, he's one of the better head coaches in the NBA. I think he's a great guy to be under. I think that that Steven Silas will be awesome as a head coach. Um, It's interesting, though, because he he's going to be managing some crazy personalities. And like you said, we True. don't know a lot True. about him. We, we know the players that have been in his locker room, but we don't know how much of a role he played when it came to player management. And, you know, is he a player's coach? Is he a serious coach? Like we don't really know that about him. So for me, like the X's and the O's for him, like I think that's going to come down the line in the post Harden era in the interim though, when he's coaching those kind of guys, like, that's tough. That's that's yeah. uh, as great as it is for him to get a, a head coaching job and get to coach Harden Westbrook in his very first season as a head guy. Like that's a scary situation to walk into. I agree. And you know, if, if I'm a Houston fan, I think overall I'm pretty excited about this hire for the reasons that we've already laid out. But uh, as a OKC Thunder fan, there's a part of me that's even excited for this hire because, like you said, I just can't help. But think back on the you know the past I guess four seasons of Russell Westbrook four seasons now with you know Russell Westbrook um, Mello PG then you had Russ and PG um, the year before the Mello year we had just Russ's MVP season and that's when Billy Donovan was still a fairly new head coach in the league now look I think Billy did an overall good job um, there's only so much you can do in that situation but I think it was very well known once Russ you know got traded last year that he was calling a lot of the shots um, him and PG kind of had the or carried the the team and, and kind of were the voice of the locker room in a sense which is why you saw Chris the Paul did team, the same thing but in a more positive way right they weren't taking games off like they were with Russ and PG they weren't trying to come from behind and we kind of saw that again this year on a PG team with led by Kawhi Leonard this time instead of Russ it makes me wonder if something similar would happen this season in Houston with a young, or fairly young, not super young, but a not quite as established coach um, in Silas compared to D'Antoni, right? Yeah, but at the same time, um, something to take into consideration too, Rick Carlisle is a big offensive guy and we saw him, you know, with the help of Luka, who's a, a generational talent, have the most efficient offense in NBA history. So as brilliant as D'Antoni is as an offensive coach and the offenses he's he's ran through the years have been just absurd. I think 
if you're looking to continue that trend, maybe Steven Silas is the best guy for the job. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think when it, it comes down to it, him or like Jeff Van Gundy, I think they made the, the right choice there. Now, something I found interesting too is it's not just going to be Silas either. I mean, you're going to have, um, obviously, Lucas. He was another candidate, John Lucas, uh, assistant coach yep. for the for the Houston Rockets, a really good player development coach. But it sounds like he might have an even larger role uh, moving forward, maybe like a head, a, like associate coach potential role. Also, Tim uh, McMahon and Jonathan, I don't know how to pronounce Jonathan's last name. Vegan, Fagan, I don't know. Anyways, he reported that Nate McMillian and Jeff uh, Hornacek, I guess, or, or two, yeah, or two, um, two other coaches that they're considering um, to to bring on the coaching staff. Which having a guy like Nate McMillian there to help out a, a new first year head coach, I think, is really important. And from Nate's point of view, he's licking his chops, saying. I've got more head coaching experience than this guy. If the season goes awry early on, guess who steps right in? Right, right. I think you're exactly right. Um, So anyways, I thought that was pretty interesting. But Nick, something else that you mentioned. The NBA, I guess it was announced this week from Woj, from uh, Shams, from um, Mark Stein, others. Sounds like we might be getting some basketball here pretty soon. Maybe too soon. I mean, that's what I'm. That's why I wanted to pick your brain on. And actually, right before we started this podcast this evening, uh, Shams also tweeted out a a quote from Michelle Roberts, basically saying that there's just not enough time to make all these negotiations happen before that December twenty second date. Yeah, and it's not even that. It's like the players themselves. Like you look at Miami and Los Angeles, who just finished their season in kind of early to mid-September, I mean, you're looking at a, a really, really, really small window of an offseason, especially considering, like we talked about earlier, if training camp starts December 1st and their season ended, well, I think it was like September 12th, maybe, that you may have to check me on that. Or is it October 12th? Uh, October 12th for what? For the, the end of the NBA Finals. Was it September oh, or October? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oct- uh, October. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah my my my, mon- my months are my months are blending, blending together. together. Yep. So yeah, so so you're looking at that like that if if the training camp starts on December first, you're looking at less than two months right. of time before you're like you're back in the gym working weeks. out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're like, talking about players who have been drafted maybe overseas or free agents, maybe still having to quarantine, not even it, allowed to join their their team um, when they start training camp on December 1st. And we're talking about some, as we know from past summers, you know, when the offseason usually is taking place, there will still be free agents that haven't signed with a team when the season's about to start, when you're almost done with training camp. And did you so, see Did you see Danny Green's comments? Yeah, and, and see, and I was going to bring that up also. Um, now, one of the reporters um, who... I guess tweeted something out today was Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. And as it's been pretty well documented, he has a really good relationship with players. Those are kind of his sources where, you know, Woj and others kind of have people in the front offices and executives and owners. Um, Haynes reported, you know, that that teams and including some star players are, are pretty unhappy and would like to uh, push that towards Martin, starting on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, as we've heard previously as well, um, mid-January. However, the issue here, and I think the biggest hangup is – it was also reported that'd be five hundred million dollars lost in revenue by not starting Christmas or a little before. And you, you think about the negotiations going on right now, where the owners kind of have leverage over the players in a sense because they can just say, "Hey, we're going to terminate the CBA and we'll start from scratch. Uh, see you in a couple months." You know, uh, I think the players are going to be more motivated, especially. And here's the other thing too, right? It's like 
we are very very well aware that as a country we're not doing well with this containing this virus right and seeing cases continue to spike at all-time highs right now as we talk here and um end of october almost november there's a good chance that starting in february march you still aren't able to have fans and stands so why not start earlier and yeah start some that's of that revenue that's exactly what i was going to ask you so like they talk about a loss in revenue if they don't start earlier like i'm wondering if the league like the way that that cases are trending like not to get into coronavirus talk here but i'm wondering if the league's starting to realize like whether we start on december 22nd or if we start on mlk day like there probably won't be fans in the stands so let's just kick this thing off and get it going well and then there's some other aspects of that as well right you know returning to a normal schedule um that allows players to play in the olympics this this summer also you're not competing with the olympics and Based off how the ratings were during this summer, apparently, you know, that's really scaring some of these owners off. Um, not because of, you know, there's all the politics, rumors, and all that bull crap. It, it's nothing about that as much as it's just like people weren't as engaged watching the NBA this summer, particularly when you're competing, uh, you know, early fall with NFL, with MLB, um, so many other events going on. I think that the, and, and then the Olympics would be on at the same time as well. I think the league's really trying to avoid that. And I think like going, getting back to a more normal schedule is going to help ratings kind of get back to closer to where they were, um, assuming that we can defeat this virus here, you know, hopefully by this time next year. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating because like there's, there's pros and cons to both sides. I feel like no matter when the NBA starts, there's going to be good things about it, whether it's, you know, players and getting extra time or you know, on the flip side, like saving revenue, like there's not a good option. It's going to come down to what does the league want to salvage? Like what, like, like what things do they want to happen in a positive light and which things are they okay happening in a negative light? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Now some ways to make this happen. I'll just throw these out here briefly and we can move on. But an MLB start, you know, the uh, world series just wrapped up. Uh, last night which was kind of fun to watch um but yeah I went, about, I went to game five. Oh, i forgot about that yeah because it was in your neck of the woods it, it was, was up there in, uh, in fort worth so that's that's pretty awesome i bet that was u- a unique experience not a lot of fans very strange yes yeah. <laughs> but they're talking about mlb style um series potentially with a team so you go on a road trip and they didn't specify whether that's like you know you go to the west coast you play the west coast teams um during a period of a week or two and then you fly back home for a week or two back at home. Um, or if it's like you go down to, uh, or you could do the same like in Texas, right? Play the Texas teams. Or if a series is like actual an MLB style series where you're playing the Dallas Mavericks, you know, for two or three games in a weekend period, you know, with like a day off in between, almost like a mini playoff series. That'd be I kind of like it. Well. I do too. I do too. It I actually whole new, really, really like a whole it. new wrinkle into the league. It's, uh, it's going to show coaching a lot. Like you're going to have absolutely. to see coaches play the same team the next night and have and to make gives adjustments. You some playoff level. Right, exactly, exactly. So uh, not to the intensity of playoff basketball, but the strategic aspect of that, I think you're exactly right. Also talked about only re- releasing half of the schedule um, at first, which makes sense so they can be a little more flexible in the second half, maybe sure. make up some of those games. And then no all-star break to give players um, a, a little bit of a rest starting up so soon with a little off season, little to no off season. And um, also to be able to reschedule some of those games that occur well, in the first half of the season. So do you do you still do you still 
draft? I mean, not, not not draft. Do you still vote on an All Star team, although they don't play, just to have that like in the record books? Like, that's I, a I, good I, point. I because hate contracts are tied to All Star. Yeah, and, and right? also like like looking like there's so many like goat debates and who had a better career than who. Right. And I know that like an All Star game, like how much does that mean these days? Like a ton of guys make it. There's replacements. Yada yada yada. But if if you take one out of a guy's career, like yeah, there's contracts tied, but also like th- there's there's records. Like what if what if the the record for most all stars was 19 and you end up with 18? You could have tied it or passed it. Like that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, no, I agree completely with you. But Nick, like you said, picking the right candidate, uh, whether it's for the greatest of all time in basketball or even for your job, it can be a little difficult. But we have a sponsor today who can help with that. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that means making hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people, and they do so fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it, and quickly. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply, and the offer is valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, unless it's the World Series, but you can still bet on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day and every day. Please don't bet on the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Head to BetOnline today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Nick, your your Dallas Cowboys might not be doing so hot, but your Oklahoma State Cowboys are kicking some butt. Yeah, and it's like I... I care way more about the Dallas Cowboys than I do the OSU Cowboys. It's just one of those, like, I'm, I'm more of a pro sports guy. I'd rather have a pro sports team that I cheer for win than, than Oklahoma State. But, yeah, they're they're pretty bad. They, uh, they traded Everson Griffin, who's one of their better defensive ends. They cut one of their veteran corners and their veteran D tackles today. So they're flat out tanking, my dog. <laughs> just like the Oklahoma City Thunder this next year. If Jacob yeah, Niffin's listening and hears, hears you say that, he's going to be happy as hell because yeah. he is ready no, okay. to tank. Speaking of Jacob, okay, sends us this random Slack like Slack message like probably 10 minutes after we started, at Taylor, at Nick, don't F the podcast up too bad. Love you, Jacob. It's because this, po- this, this podcast is his baby and he's our fearless <laughs> leader that always leads our episodes. And Jacob, 
Guess hey, what? No, no, he got this. He's nervous. He he he's afraid that the listeners are going to like the Nick and Taylor pod way too much. That and this is, is going to become a so regular true. weekly staple. That is so regular true. <laughs> We're here. Well, hey Taylor. One thing we do get to talk about that that Jacob's going to be pretty upset because he he gets really really excited about guys in the draft and and he's got his little draft crushes and if you go follow him on Twitter, crush it's not, it, Denny. Yeah, he's he's got other crushes too. Denny's the main Fair. guy. It's it's a little unrealistic. No, he's he's very vocal about who he likes in the draft. So I thought we could talk about some draft targets for the Thunder. Um, we're gonna do this over a couple of weeks here, several weeks here. So this week, you and I can talk about you know what guys do you like that are realistic if the Thunder stay put. So essentially, what that means, anybody. In the 17 to you know 35 range, you know those are all going to fluctuate. Mock drafts are never perfect. There's guys that fall. There's guys that rise. So that range that Oklahoma City could actually take a guy at 25. Let's talk about some of those guys in future weeks. Um, we'll we'll do some scenarios where we move up to, let's say maybe you know 13 through 20, and then and then we'll we'll get really creative and start talking about the dream scenarios for Jacob where we get into the lottery and. <laughs> have a chance to take Denny. So Taylor, right. we'll we'll start with your prospect. I'll, I'll go right after you and we can kind of kick these back and forth. If you're Sam Presti, you've got the 25th overall pick in the 2020 NBA draft on November 18th. What guy do you really hope is there and what do you like about him? Oh man, you uh, you kind of Threw a twist in here. I, at first, I was just gonna like throw out my first name on the list, not in order. But now you're asking me if if I could pick, you know, in, in, in a dream scenario, it, when the Thunder do um, stay put, who who my guy would be. Well, if that's the case, uh, Nick, I'm not gonna throw out the first name on my my list. Although I'm very excited to pronounce his name because you and I have been practicing it. But my preference here would be none other than Jaden McDaniels, and I know that may scare a lot of Thunder fans because he's been very inconsistent. He looked let's be completely honest, pretty terrible in his first uh, freshman year at Washington. Now he's heading into the draft, uh, but we're talking about a high recruit coming out of school. Uh, I think Mike Schmidt of ESPN had him listed as the number one prospect in his class for a while, and for obvious reasons. I mean, he really shows shades of guys like, and this isn't original, but they, even just watching his film, this stood out to me. Then I listened to his interview with Mike, actually, that he did, where they break down film, and they actually mentioned a couple of these players. But um, his build, but also his style of play, you know, Kevin Durant's kind of like the the ridiculous comparison, because it's such a, Kevin Durant, just, you know, nobody's like Kevin Durant. But he does resemble that in the way some of his pull-ups, um, his, he uses those long arms and long legs. Um with those crossovers and change of direction. Uh, it's, it does resemble shades of Kevin Durant, you know, his three point shooting. And then you have guys like Jonathan Isaac on the defensive end. You know, he's very, he's, he's much more engaged actually in the offensive end, which is kind of interesting. He'll disappear for large stretches, at least in his freshman year um, on the offensive end, or maybe just struggle in general when he's just throwing shots up. But on the defensive end, he's pretty sound. He'll make some silly bonehead uh, fouls still, but that'll come with maturity in my opinion. His shot blocking, his instincts on the defensive end, high high defensive IQ, and his build all combined, he's kind of gotten those Jonathan Isaac comparisons. And then on the offensive end, just kind of as a full all-around game, uh, Brandon Ingram. And that's somebody he said that he's really been studying um, his and to make his game after. And you, that kind of makes sense. You know, Brandon Ingram was a guy who, who was highly sought after, um, came into the league and thought that he was going to have a big impact immediately for the Lakers. And he struggled um, early on. But then we see what he was able to do after a couple years under his belt, 
one year with LeBron. He goes into New Orleans. Uh, he was a, a um, an All Star this year, and just kind of you know just continues to improve on his game. Had over Brandon Ingram had to overcome some medical issues. But in my opinion, I think Jaden McDaniels could be one of those guys, and particularly if the Thunder are staying put. This is kind of a common theme with some of these guys here that I have, or at least a couple of them. Why not swing for the fences? You have all these these draft these future draft picks. This is a a relatively weak draft where it's not top heavy, not a lot of superstars, but a lot of unknown players who could either turn out to be just solid role players or potentially un, you know unseen superstars. I think Jaden McDaniels is one of those guys to take a gamble on. So I didn't get into like specifics there, um, but just kind of an, a high level overview of Jaden McDaniels. Yes, there's a lot to, maybe to be concerned about, but at this range, I really don't think so. Yeah, no, I'm with you. If if you're the Thunder and you're really gonna try to retool this team around Shea and and Dort and Baisley and, and whoever else you can trade for, like swing for the fences, you know, at right. pick twenty five. Okay, this this reminds me. Uh, so I, I, at first, I thought I was going to be hosting the entire podcast, and so I came up with the scale, and then we decided to be, it, it, that you should take this to, to intro this segment and stuff, uh, the draft segment. So I kind of forgot about it, but I'm going to throw out this the scale I came up with a couple days ago when I was going to draft it. picks. I call this the OKC Thunder uh, draft risk factor scale. Right? It's like it's like the Lebronto meter on Skip and Shannon's show. <laughs> that's, hey, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't, I don't watch Skip and Shannon, but it's just Skip Skip and Shannon. But uh, but you're right. It is kind of a similar concept here. So now keep in mind, this is not talent. When I throw out these players on the scale, they're kind of my 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 gauges here. Like it, it's not talent. But on the far side, on one far side, you have Russell Westbrook, and. He, Again, not in talent, but in terms of risk, he was considered a pretty risky pick when the Thunder selected him fourth overall in that draft. Now, don't get me wrong; it wasn't like you know he was. Almost, I think he was in the lottery in almost all mock drafts, and uh, even more so, probably like top ten. I have to go back and look to confirm, but it was still considered kind of a high risk pick, especially when you're trying to build around Kevin Durant. You know, for example, Nick, I don't know if you remember this, but a lot of people were saying, and a lot of Thunder fans even were rooting for a guy like Ricky Rubio, a true point guard. So when they drafted Russ, it was even a question of, you know, is he a point guard or a shooting guard? And that's a debate that would continue over the next couple of seasons until he shut everyone up. Um, so you have him on one side. He's, he's a high-risk player who really panned out, was a grand slam draft pick, right? Now on the far side of that, you have guys like the Mitch McGarry's, and maybe Mitch is even a good one. Like maybe Cole Aldridge is a good one to put there. I think Cameron Payne, you're kind of getting closer, but I think you go even further um, on the scale, on the other end of the scale, with a guy like Cole Aldridge. And in the middle, you have Kevin Durant. He was a for sure pick. You don't even hesitate. You pick him, low risk, high reward. So if we're talking uh, Jaden McDaniels, I think he has potential to be high on that rust scale because he's going to be a, a high risk pick in terms of, um, you know, in terms of his his reputation, but I feel like it could really pay off and it maybe potentially be a home run drop pick. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. We're gonna have to get with uh, our guy Justin to build a little a little graphic, kind of <laughs> walking through your scale here. So I like our... it. I like it. See, so you have Russ on one end, Katie in the middle, um, Cole Aldridge on the end, the other end, and then we can throw our little draft pick heads in in between. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know what it is about Jaden. Like I've I've said so. Jaden's a guy. If I had a draft crush, it'd be it'd be Jaden. I've you can there go back go. in our Slack, you can go back on my Twitter. I've been talking about him since he was a senior in high school. Um, definitely, definitely lower on him now than I was in high school. He was looking like he was about to be a like a top five pick, and obviously didn't didn't perform that well in, in his freshman year. But uh, something about him, and and again, his his height is great. Like he's not. 
super tall. His weight is fine. Like he's not a stick. He's also not like this thick guy. But when you see him on the court, like he just looks gigantic, and I still can't yeah. put my finger on what it is. Like you look like Darius Baisley, um, maybe an inch or two shorter than him, if not the same size. You know, you know, measurements and height are always so hard to go off of. And then weight wise, you know, they're they're probably relatively the same. But like right. Jaden, Jaden just looks so looks bigger. dang big. He's almost a little broader, I think, which helps. And I think that's just an indication that he could really put on some weight if he yeah, puts, yeah. puts effort in and gets with the right situation. I think that's the biggest thing here is Jaden has to get in the right environment. You um, might be right. It's it's not like his arms are big and his legs are not big and his like waist isn't big. Like. Maybe it's just his broadness because he just looks like a unit out there. There you go, folks. Uh, Jaden McDaniel is ceiling. LeBron James. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> here we go. No, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's a, a good pick at 25. I'm with you. If if, if perfect scenario, if, if all things go right, the Thunder taking Jaden McDaniels would be awesome. I'm going to go a little bit opposite here on my first one. Tyrese Maxey out of Ooh, Kentucky. I, I almost put Maxey in there, but... Just all the consensus and stuff that we've heard from podcasts and some of the, the draft gurus that we know. Seems like uh, Maxi might be rising up the draft boards a little bit, but still, you're right. He's still in that range when you're looking at some of these mock drafts. So tell me about Maxi. Yeah, so smaller guy, like it, it's crazy to say this, but 6'3", like small guy. In the NBA, that's like pretty small. 198, 200 pounds, like not a whole lot of weight on him. Dallas guy, love that about him. He is a deceptively good three-point shooter, in my opinion. You look at his college stats, and he shot 29.2% from three. Like, not, not good at all. Like, you look at that, and you say, this guy is not a three-point shooter whatsoever. But looking at his form and his free throw percentage at 83.3%, and just like the shots he takes and the confidence he takes them with, I'm not saying he's going to be like a Devin Booker, go out there and get you buckets all the time. But in the modern NBA, if you can get a team, you know, two or three threes a game and be a consistently good three-point shooter, even at that size, and then be decent on the defensive end, like you're looking at being a good sixth or seventh man on a solid team. Like I'm not saying Tyrese Maxey for the Thunder is going to turn into one of their star players. But if you're building for the future and you can get a kid like this at 25, you know, who's still obviously young, he only played one year at Kentucky, I think he is going to shock people. You're going to see him a couple years from now. You're going to look back at his college stats and see that 29.2% from three and be like, holy crap, how did he shoot that bad? Ben Simmons, like everybody was talking so high, Ben Simmons, when he went into his freshman season at LSU. And then um, my wife's uh, grandmother, a huge LSU fan, an LSU alum, so we would watch him quite a bit during that that year. And I was just like, man, he just does not have a high motor. I'm not a huge Ben Simmons fan. I don't. I think he's going to be a, a bust in the NBA. And look, you know, look what Ben Simmons is now. He's a all star, and uh, if he can put it all together, maybe a potential superstar someday. So uh, Maxi could kind of fall into that in terms of his freshman uh, year at I almost said rookie year <laughs> at uh, Kentucky. But I also want to throw something else out, Nick, because I thought you. I think you. You covered him pretty well in terms of his skill set. But something else I keep thinking of and that's really resonated with me, and I think many others as well, just watching how the, the playoffs, the season as a whole, um, even the finals uh, played out, Bam Adebayo, kind of the Bam Adebayo effect. He had one role at Kentucky. You're surrounded by so much talent. You don't really get to showcase your full skill set. And it was almost as soon as 
at a bio left and was going through his his draft combine uh, his his workouts with different teams he was already showing his versatility and what else he could do with his game I think Maxi is in a similar situation like you said there's reasons for concern because of his size but I think that's why we're starting to hear and kind of see him shoot up a little higher on some of these draft boards um, because I think he, he possesses more than he showed his, his rookie or his freshman year with Kentucky so all that to say um, if he is there for the Thunder at 25 that's a home run pick with that with that pick if they don't trade up absolutely who you got next so somebody i got next is somebody actually tweeted about um, from the account earlier this week because none other than kevin o'connor on tuesday he did his latest mock draft and he included intel that he had been hearing as we near closer to the draft here in a couple weeks and one of those things that he mentioned was a uh, oklahoma city pick now granted he didn't have them trading up or anything like that although he did have some trades with other teams and his mock draft i encourage you guys to go and, and read through it it's really interesting but he had the Thunder taking uh, Alex, Alexi Pokashevsky. I'm pretty sure I pronounced that right. I really hope so because Nick and I had a kid. A Let's go. <laughs> and you guys know how bad I am with names. So if I pronounce that correctly, uh, maybe it's just meant to be match made. Take that, Kamiar. Now, yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, uh, what Kevin O'Connor said was that he had two conversations with two separate people over the past week, and they both linked Alexi to the Thunder which is really interesting. And the more you think about it, it really makes sense. It's almost like a Presti project. Now, don't get that confused with like the Presti stereotypical wing, three and D player who can't really shoot threes, but is super athletic and will try and teach him how to shoot. Not like that. More so like a uh, Russell Westbrook maybe isn't even a good comparison. Uh, but somebody who doesn't fit that mold, but is somebody that uh, has a ton of potential and Presti feels like he can help develop. And in Alexi's case, he is an incredible shooter. He's a seven-foot kid. He weighs like barely 200 pounds. He's skin and bones, right? I mean, we're talking like uh, Dwight Howard or shoot Anthony Davis. Carl Anthony Towns would just abuse him in the post right now as it currently stands. But he's not often in the post. He he is incredibly versatile. You usually see him with the ball in his hands. He can pick and pop. He he, he runs off screens. He, he moves off ball. He, uh, I think it was Jonathan Charks who said he, it reminds him of the ringer, uh, who said it almost reminds him of Clay Thompson off ball, the way he's able to move. I told you guys in the Slack here a couple days ago, he almost defies physics because this seven-foot lanky dude who you would think, you know, we've seen guys like that in the past. Nick, you and I have played on the same basketball team in the past, played against kids like that. They just are almost like sloths the way they move down the court. Not in Alexi's case. He moves and plays like a guard in a seven-foot frame and body. And some of the passes, his court vision that I saw, um, his ability to block shots just obviously at his size, but he also has great instinct in that regard. Um, and then just his shooting, I think, is what impresses me the most. So this is a guy, uh, I think Charks and some, uh, some others – that view him as maybe like a they're one of their favorite picks in the entire or sorry one of their favorite uh, prospects in the entire draft and if you are Sam Presti and can get a guy like this again he kind of falls into that Jay McDaniel's category I think you've got to take him um, I'm really excited about Alexi I was excited to hear those rumors because I'd already done a little research on him and heard some stuff about him prior to KOC linking him to OKC yeah so I've got three things on on this topic so for starters. I think it's always a good sign when there's a guy like Alexi that you've never heard about. For the most part, like I know you've, and you've, you've heard of him. Film. I mean, we're talking right. like you go to YouTube and you can watch like four highlight videos over him. Right. And KLC when, even mentions that in his mock draft. When a month ago, if you go to any mock draft, he like doesn't exist on the first or second round for the most part. Um, so that's that's promising for starters. That just means like people are starting to get high on him. That's always good. 
Secondly, not to go back to Jacob again, but Jacob loves the story, one of his favorite stories in Thunder <laughs> history, of the draft promise for Kristaps Porzingis that oh. fell through because he went back overseas Ooh, for a that's year. That's a great comparison, Nick. This and almost... When, and this almost sorry, not to interrupt you, just when Kristaps came in that year, um, still under underdeveloped, pretty raw, still pretty thin. Yep, exactly. So I, I almost wonder, I know they're not doing a ton of, of like, in-person workouts quite yet or anything like that but i'm wondering if this will be something similar where presti looks at him in the same way he looked at porzingis like this guy has a lot ahead of him he may not be the guy we're we're seeing yet like he he could put on some some weight he's got these kind of unique unicorn type skills i'm wondering if that's how presti views alexi and then my, my third point is as it stands now at his weight I I hate to say this because we could we could look back on this a year from now and Alexi could be playing on the Thunder anywhere else and, and be a really good player. I would almost categorize him as unplayable as a rookie at the so, way he's at now. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think that's a good point. The other thing is, to your point, not just unplayable as a rookie. The downside here is he's getting a lot of comparisons on two different sites I'm on right now. And, and I had already read these prior to the podcast. Dragon Bender. <laughs> now, granted, again, Bender had a huge, uh, I mean, we remember this. People raved about him. They didn't even give up on him after his first couple of seasons because they still felt that he possessed a lot of yep. that potential. And don't get me wrong. He's, he's kind of shown some of it this past season. It's kind of has built his image back up. But let's be real here. He's not going to be any super. Bender's not going to be a superstar. He'll never live up to that number four pick. Exactly. Or whatever it was. Exactly. Now, again, to back to my earlier point, that's why you take a guy like this at 25 and not number five. But um, the other thing, too, is I, something else I read is in a note after I read it, I was watching some of the film and noticed it. I mentioned his shock blocking potential and his, his ability, uh, his shot blocking ability. But he almost gets a little too aggressive with that sometimes. Like you almost see him going for the shot block, which results in a foul because he shouldn't have, or just a full-on whiff, and the defender just goes on. You know, a, a guy like Shea would eat his defense up because he's so you know so smooth and uh, would be able to get around him. And because a guy like a like a, a Poku, he's gambling. So uh, definitely some downsides there as well. But the offense is there of a of a star player. Um, so he really intrigues me. Something I'm gonna definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, at the end of the day, like like we're talking about pros and cons. If we're talking about guys at 25, there should be some major cons. So that doesn't scare me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he, he'd be an awesome player at 25 with the Thunder's window of contention being anywhere from you know four to eight years down the road. Even if you draft him and don't play him until the 2022-23 season for a lot of minutes, like maybe he puts on 25-30 pounds and he's still mm-hmm. seven feet tall with guard skills that can shoot, and he's he's awesome. And another name that I didn't think about until literally just now, I would love to compare their heights and weights. I don't have this pulled up in front of me right now. Bull Bull. I'd love to love to see the comparison that's there a, when it comes to their really actual good. frames. <laughs> You've got some good comparisons so far. That's uh yeah, I like that one too. That's pretty spot on. It'll pretty be interesting. It'll hey, be very we saw interesting. Bull Bull flashed in the bubble again. That's a bubble. But, yeah, uh, I, I think he'll he'll definitely start to get more playing time um, this next season with the Nuggets. So yeah, think, we'll, we'll see. I think for the Thunder at twenty five, it's all about the ceiling. Yeah, I, I agree. So give me your next guy, and I got one more. I want to run by you also before we get out of here. 
All right, yeah, I'll, I'll do one, and then you can do one, and then we'll we'll jump out. So my my next one, definitely more of a household name, just because he played for a school that I feel like everybody you know watches, whether they want to or not, just because they're on TV all the time. Vernon Carey out of Duke. That's so fun name, like him as a player three years ago, I would have next to no interest in, just because he's like a slower undersized you know 610 thick center which usually is like modern nba you want a guy that can shoot really well kind of a more slender taller like his wingspan seven foot even though he's 610 like the measurables just aren't there and normally like like three years ago i'd look at that guy and say like he's he's dakari johnson he's never going to be good in the nba but seeing guys like Bam out of bio and some of these guys like like Montrez Harrell who are six nine playing that weird kind of tweener small ball five or non stretch the floor power forward like that's a thing in the league as much as we're shifting towards stretching the floor shooting threes guys like Gallinari are exactly who you want on your team we're seeing guys like Harrell and Bam bully guys on offense and defense because the modern day fours and centers are just like small and right. slender. They're, so, they're almost similar builds. You're exactly right. You see like Anthony Davis and like you said, Jokic bullying some of those guys around. Yeah, yeah. So Vernon Carey, I, I, I'm not sitting here saying like Vernon Carey is going to be good in the NBA. I'm not sitting here saying that. Vernon Carey's a lottery pick in this draft, but if you're sitting there at 25, like I, I can't say I'd be upset with a Vernon Carey pick. Like that's, I like that's, that. That's a solid pick. That's interesting. And so my last guy that I have here is actually somebody else that, um, I guess not linked to the Thunder. That's the improper term here. But somebody, uh, Jonathan Wasserman, he's a fellow Blue Wire uh, podcast member, and he writes for Bleacher Report. If you guys aren't following him, he does a great job with draft coverage all year round. Nick. Uh, myself and Jacob actually got to talk with him back in March when the pandemic happened to do some uh, way too early draft breakdown on some of these prospects. But the guy that he has the Thunder currently taking in his latest mock draft is Zeke Naji from Arizona. And Zeke, is uh, he's super interesting. He's 6'11", 240 pounds, but he looks much more lean than that. He's very wiry. Um, he definitely needs to bulk up some. But he's just a guy who almost fits the pressy mold. I was listening to his, his interview, um, just an incredibly high IQ, I think both on and off the court. Seems like a great kid. Um, and and he's, a, he's really known for his hustle. You know, he's always making the hustle plays. To, but he also, uh, he, he's aggressive, but he, he, he plays sound defense. Um, he has the size and strength to become a, a better defender, I think. Um, but there are some issues, for example, wasn't a fantastic shooter, although I was watching some of his draft videos. That's something he says he's really focused on, and it definitely seems like it. He's also not the best rebounder, which scares me a little bit for a big man. Granted, he might be more of a stretch four and not so much a small ball center, but if he wants to make it into the league and, and wants to be able to to you know be able to keep up with some of the centers, if, if the Thunder are going to be going small and want to play Zeke at the, at the five, he's got to be able to rebound some, right? Or else you're just going to get destroyed. Um, but I think he's a kind of a raw prospect which shows a lot of potential. Um, again, like his speed and his quickness is is really uh, impressive and stood out to me, but he's not super explosive. You don't really see him with a ton of dunks um, outside of just kind of the easy ones because of his size. But he is quick, he's explosive, he hustles really hard, and his outside shot really is improving. Uh, I think he's a pretty solid passer overall. And like I said, a high IQ on and off the floor. So that's somebody I'm keeping my eye on, somebody I hadn't really been paying attention to until Jonathan had him um, 
had us picking him in his mock draft. And somebody I think in a year like this where you're rebuilding, again, maybe a little more of a little more of a safe pick, maybe falls closer to the Kevin Durant and not so much the Russell Westbrook or the probably in between a Cole Aldridge and a Kevin Durant and closer to the Kevin Durant side on my scale I mentioned earlier. Uh, but somebody I'm definitely keeping an eye on, um, like I said, you could use this year just to develop him. Um, I'm looking at NBADraft.net. They said he's a player who could potentially step in immediately and either start or play and contribute for a team and a young team like OKC. Perfect time to do that. Work on some of those things I mentioned, like his def- his defense, uh, his shot blocking, uh, rebounding, and uh, and shooting. So we'll see. Uh, somebody I'll, I'll keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, I wonder if his rebounding is more of a play style thing at Arizona. Like, if you go also look a great at point, if you go look at like the, the this, I know it was a shortened season and all that stuff. If you go back and look at Arizona's stats last season as a team, he had two hundred and seventy six total rebounds, eight point six a game. The next person behind him was a guard who had less than half of the number of rebounds Ooh. that he had. Ooh. So, like that, that may have been. A play style thing, a small ball thing. I didn't watch a ton of Arizona basketball last year, but I'm wondering if that attributes to it a little bit. That's another really good point. And like we said, like you can't, especially with some of these one and dones, you can't really judge that first year of college. I mentioned Ben Simmons. We mentioned Bam. Um, we talked about your guy from Duke. I mean, I, even Maxi from Kentucky. Like, I think a lot of these players this year fall into that category, which is one of the many reasons why this this draft is considered maybe weaker. But I think all that to say, Nick, what we've come to the conclusion of is even if the Thunder do not trade up, which they very likely could, and I can't wait to discuss all of that next week, but I think there's definitely some, some high-level players that could really contribute, um, some high-ceiling players as well, potentially. But also the, drafting this late, taking home runs on guys, uh, sorry, taking gambles on home run type guys, there's going to be low fours involved there as well. Yep, no, I, I think uh, there's definitely guys at 25 that that you're not gonna. F- <sighs> you, you could find us. You, you've seen Pascal Siakam and some guys that like Nikola Jokic that have fallen pretty deep in drafts, like late first, second round. But likely at 25, you 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 get a guy that's gonna be a decent contributor and down the road in four to five years. So you, you got to yeah. swing for the fences, like you said. But at the same time, we could have done. 100 mock draft podcast for the Thunder this time last year. And not and Darius Bailey. Darius Baisley would never have been mentioned. Well, and that's what I was going to say. A guy like Darius Baisley, who's already shown that he contribute um, in his rookie season on a really good playoff contender, much less. And he's going to be a staple, I think, for this franchise moving forward as they move forward with this rebuild. So uh, you're exactly right. Uh, when you have Presti at the helm, you can find the Darius Baisleys, the Pokus, the Maxis, whoever that next Baisley is at, at the 25 range. I'm with you. Well, Nick, I think that's all I got. You sure you don't want to talk oil and gas mergers? I don't want to talk oil and gas mergers. I don't want to talk Dallas Cowboys. I want to get out of here. (laughs) Well, let's do it. Thank you guys again for listening to The Uncontested. Uh, Nick and I had a ton of fun. Be sure to reach out to Jacob uh, at Jacob Niffen, K-N-I-F-F-E-N, and be sure to let him know how much better this podcast was. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you, Jacob. Uh, really missed the live sounders, so I'm going to have to go in and, and put in at the end of this podcast now. <laughs> but we're really happy for Jacob. Uh, can't wait to see him all settle in the new home. Be sure to stay tuned. We will have a group pod on Sunday. Who knows? Like we said, we might even have a big announcement uh, in the coming days about OKC's head coach. And if so, the uncontested will have you covered. Big shout out to our uh, friends at boomtownhoops.com, the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and our sponsors for today, Indeed and Bet Online. Uh, and then stay
stay tuned also for next Wednesday because we will have the next iteration of our draft series breakdown where like Nick mentioned we will be talking about trading up into the teens and maybe even up into the lottery and what some of those players could be and how they can contribute for, for OKC so a lot of fun stuff happening we're getting super close to basketball and basketball news yet again stay tuned thanks for listening made plans for summer child care yet if not don't worry care.com can help at care.com you can find trusted reliable and affordable sitters near you with flexibility that fits your summer plans and because the best decisions are made with care 100 of caregivers who use care.com have been background checked with care check a key first step for families to make strong hiring decisions this summer get help with activities tutoring pickups drop-offs and more sign up now at care.com